Today's story contains mention of past character death. Listener discretion is advised. Hey there, Story Most Queer fans. It's me, Leah. Again, nice to hear me back on this podcast. That's a thing I just said. Um, I'm here to let you know that once again, we are brought to you by When in Romance. They are a bi-weekly romance and erotica podcast brought to you by Book Riot, North America's largest independent book site. Librarian Jess and romance superfan Trisha are your hosts. And on each episode, they share what's new and exciting in Romance Landia which is a place I would totally go and live in. They update you about their favorite recent reads and, of course, recommend romance new and not so new to listeners. They cover all heat levels, gotta gotta get some spice on that, romance subgenres, and the most interesting and relevant goings-on in the world of romance novels. So listen and uh, subscribe, if you want, to When in Romance on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Podcatcher is a great word, and I wish I said it more often in my daily life. Thanks so much to One in Romance and Book Riot for once again being supportive of us, and we love them, and you you also will love them. I'm rambling. Let's get into the episode. Bye. Welcome to A Story Most Queer, where every week we bring you a new story about queer characters and lifestyles, written by queer authors, narrated by queer voices. Pocket-sized queer stories for everyone. A Story Most Queer is brought to you by Mischief Media. Today's story is Cromartie Street. Written by Morgan Christie. Read by Viju Bryant. She'd been to six stores that hour, and not one of them had salt. What kind of shit is this? She muttered to herself. Rayon was semi-new to the Bronx, and first thought it was something as simple as not knowing where to look. Until the third store, anyway. After the fifth, she started imagining it was some sort of mediocre conspiracy. A bored teenager's ploy to see to it that no meal north of Manhattan would consist of any flavor. But after the sixth, it was just funny. She was shaking her head while taming a modest giggle when she saw it. Lit up on the neon green street sign like it was layered in highlighter. Cromartie Street. There was nothing peculiar about the street name. It was that she didn't recall seeing it before. Rayan had been up and down that block several times that day alone, and not once did she see a Cromartie Street. She looked down at her phone, and the street name didn't even register with Google Maps, so she knew something was up. She glanced down the road and saw mostly barren lots overtaken by gnarled weeds and two bright dandelions. There were purple flowers too, small ones. Rayan had no idea what they were, just that they were small, clustered, and inviting. The little flowers surrounded the only building Rayan could see, occupying the block. A big box of a building with white signage above the front window, lace and flashing rainbow lights. The words as jarring as the sign, Salt, here. Rayan almost crept up to the building, expecting some oddly finagled apparition to jump out and scare her into oblivion. There was no door, just an open space under the sign and between the windows. She stuck her head in first, surveying the shop like the whole odd occurrence was something normal. The signage didn't lie. She saw salt immediately. It was all she saw. Rows and rows of salt lining every shelf in the store. Nothing but salt and an oversized cash register. She stepped inside and moseyed over to the nearest shelf picking up the first packet on the row. Rayon could have sworn that when she touched the salt, a gust blew into the shop, 
knocking her high pony off to the side. She heard the woman before she saw her, unsure of which would have caught her more off guard. Looking for salt? An old raspy voice echoed through the small space. Rayon turned around and almost dropped the pack. Directly in the middle of the store stood a small stout woman, head wrapped in a tan silk scarf and her body ornamented in matching drapery, water falling her silhouette. Her skin looked just as Rayan's father's once looked, smooth, cool, and a rich deep-seated brown. But the woman had moles, moles that resembled freckles. They were almost everywhere on her cheeks, chin, and in abundance on her forehead. The woman stepped closer to Rayon, extending her arms, motioning to the rows of products. Looking for salt? She asked again. Oh, Rayan stuttered. Yeah, I'll just grab this one. The woman waddled to the register, and Rayon followed down behind her. She placed the salt on the counter, and the woman began to ring her up. Will you be needing a bag? The woman asked. No, Rayan said while shaking her head. I'm good. The woman smiled, a beautiful smile, the kind that made the room and anyone in it light up. Rayan smiled back at her. It dawned on her that that was the first time she'd smiled that day. Chasing salt was no smiling matter, even when it became laughable. How much is it? Rayan asked. The woman continued ringing her up, furiously pressing the old, broken-down buttons on the register. The woman pursed her lips and gave Rayan an almost under-eyed look before she said, It's cheap, darling. Just 11 strands. Sorry, Rayan replied as she leaned in, assuming she heard incorrectly. 11 strands, the woman enunciated. Strands of what? Rayan asked. The woman responded, Hair, of course. That's the currency here. Rayan looked at the woman like she was joking. Lo and behold, the woman's once beautiful laugh didn't reappear and all that was left was the under-eyed annoyance. You want me to pay you in hair? Rayan repeated. The woman only nodded. Rayan touched the tip of her freshly permed ponytail and stared at the woman staring at her. Is this a joke? She questioned. No, the woman said. Just the currency we take. You have plenty of hair. Surely you can spare 11 strands. The woman pulled out a pair of scissors from seemingly nowhere and slid them towards Rayan. You won't find salt anywhere else, the woman said lowly as she removed her hand from the scissors. Rayan twisted her fingers over the strands, feeling each individual one roll over atop her finger and thumbprints settling along the grooves of her identity. What'll it be? The woman sounded more annoyed now. Rayan thought of turning around and leaving the salt on the counter, saying screw the old lady and taking off out of the store. But then she remembered the six shops and the time and that if she didn't put the soup on in a few hours, it wouldn't be ready for the next day when her mother and sister would do. Rayan rolled her eyes and pulled the elastic off the top of her head. She grabbed a small bundle of hair and began piecing out a tiny section. She started counting then. One, two. The strands were soft and sharp. Three, four. Like a razor or edge of a paper. Five, six. 
but not so sharp they could cut her. Seven, eight, just enough to remind her that her curls were gone. Nine, ten, that they'd been tamed. Eleven. Rayon put her strands of hair on the counter, and the woman scooped them up in a noticeable hurry. She pushed the salt towards Rayon and stuffed her hair deep into the open register. Thank you, darling, the woman said, motioning for Rayon to head towards the space between the windows. Rayon winced a bit at the woman's abruptness, but picked up her salt and left. She had some soup to start on. After leaving the store, Rayon's walk shifted into a half jog as she hurried home. She had to get the beans on. It was her first year preparing the soup. The memorial soup, if you will. It had been 11 years and 364 days since her father's untimely demise, if we can really call death that. Rayan didn't know what killed her father, just that he didn't wake up after a nap one day. Her mother refused an autopsy, so that was that. He's gone, her mother said. Cutting him open won't bring him back. Every year on the anniversary of his death, Rayon, her mother and her sister Vi, would come together for a day of remembrance and red pea soup, their father's favorite. This was Rayon's first year hosting the lunch, after years of trying to convince her mother. The last thing she needed was bland soup, a reason for her mother to never allow one of her daughters to cook for the family again. She rushed up the stairs in her apartment building, the beat of reggaeton pulsing through the walls. She could feel the vibrations under her feet. They almost jolted her upwards and into the apartment, where she became winded, but flew into the kitchen and immediately added salt to the pot of low, boiling beans on the stove. They'd stay like this overnight, before anything else would be added. The beef, peppers, and other seasonings. Only after Ran salted the bean water did she realize her exhaustion. She'd been running around most of the afternoon in her quest for salt, and it had caught up to her. Ran began stripping down before getting into her bedroom, first her black tank and then her favorite pair of tights. She always went underwearless, save her period week as she wore her pads instead of tampons due to a horrid toxic shock event when she was 17. That was over 10 years ago, but it felt like yesterday to Ran. Her bare body hit the bed and she sank into the comforter like it was the softest thing she could fathom. Before rolling off to sleep, Rayon ran her fingers over the small patch of pulled strands and hoped that the soup would be worth the new growth she'd be facing. Her phone began to ring, but she was asleep before the sound resonated with the rest of her. The sun hit Rayon's back like fire on aloe, hot, sticky, and refreshing. She stood and stretched the way she did every morning, a half-formed sun salutation. Rayan felt good this morning, not stiff and tight like she would most days after sleeping on her brick mattress. Her sun salutation wasn't so half-baked that morning, but fully formed. She jumped in a cold shower and washed a salty layer off her back, feeling every pore take a well-needed sigh of relief. It was a cold shower, so there was no steam to wipe off the mirror. Rayan stepped from behind the curtain and saw herself in a light she hadn't since, since ever. She stepped closer to the mirror and put her hand on her head, feeling nothing but the stubble of her recent strands. Her hair was gone. All of it. She began rubbing her head like it was an illusion, as though if she kept making contact, her hair would suddenly reappear. 
Rayanne pulled the shower curtain back. No hair. She went into her room. Not a strand in sight. It had just disappeared, and she was sure she knew who to blame. Rayanne grabbed another pair of tights and a t-shirt before bolting out the door. She skipped about two steps at a time and took off out of the building. She was in a full sprint by the time she touched the sidewalk, and she stayed that way until she neared Cromartie Street. Well, where Cromartie should have been. She looked around at the two streets paralleling the invisible Cromartie. What on earth? She said as she blew. Ran asked a few passerbys if she was in the right area. They'd never heard of the street. And I've lived here since 72, though they'll try buying me out before 22, one man exclaimed. No Camardi around here. Ran ran home and noticed how steady her breathing was. Even as she climbed the multiple stories, she felt evened out, as if the air was being absorbed by the same pores that opened up that very morning. She felt reinvigorated in her angst. She got home and flopped down on her bed again. Damn that old Obeya woman, Ran mumbled under her breath. She reached for her phone and saw them, the 12 missed calls from the night before. Stacy. She knew it before checking the call log. She was the only person Rayan knew that would call that many times without sending a text. There were no messages either. She sent a text before she'd leave a voicemail. Big brother and all. She might have been the only person in Rayon's life that was happy about the Snowden stuff, because it meant that she was right. Rayon had known Stacy for five years. They'd been an item for three. They broke up almost a year before and attempted to stay friends with little success. She imagined the excuse this time would be the anniversary of her father's death. But if it wasn't one thing, it was another. Rayon wanted the whole thing to stop. They weren't good for each other. The love was hard and heavy and fluid, but so was everything else. The breakup was Rayon's idea, and whenever she was asked what happened, there was never any definite answer. It just was. Rayon picked up the phone and rested her finger on the call button, but she swiped it away. Cold turkey, that's what they call it. Rayon went into the kitchen and turned up the heat on the pot. They had softened and the salt water had become the same burgundy shade as the beans. She added the rest of the ingredients to the pot and stirred the soup for nearly an hour. They'd be there soon, so Rayanne set the table. This would be her mother's first time seeing her new place. Vi had been over a few times before. She moved to the Bronx as a community organizer to live with the people she worked for on a daily basis. Her mother didn't understand it, giving up a rent-controlled apartment in Lower Manhattan for space in a triplex so far out of the city. But Rayanne didn't expect her mother to understand. She rarely did. There was a knock at the door. It's open, Ran yelled. Her sister pushed the door open to their mother, saying, You can't be so reckless, Ran. How on earth are you leaving the door unlocked like this? Hey, Ma, Ran said as her sister joined her in the kitchen and hugged her neck. The hell happened to your hair? Her sister Vi asked. Ran rolled her eyes as she said, Don't ask. Their mother entered the kitchen. Well, your hair comes as no surprise to me. Isn't that the next step? Next step towards what, Ma? The room became quiet. Vi glanced at her mother as Rand stared at her. Their mother sat down and motioned to her empty bowl. Soup? Their mother said. Vi sat down next to her and Rand began to share out the food. 
Their bowls were filled to the brim, and Rayan joined them at the table. They didn't say grace on this day, the only day their mother didn't say grace as their father didn't care much for a religion. They sipped the soup and remembered. It's good, Ray, Vi said. Rayan smiled at her sister. Thanks. What do you think, Ma? Their mother nodded. Good. A little salty, though. Ran felt what little hair she had left stand up. Dad liked his soup cooked with flavor, Ma, Rayon said. I know, their mother replied. I just think it's a little bit too salty. And I find yours bland, Rayon said. You don't see me saying that, though. Okay, Vi interjected. Today's supposed to be about Dad, not us. How? their mother asked. By drinking soup? No, Rayon snapped, by trying to hold on to him. Her mother put her spoon down and intertwined her fingers. What do you have to hold on to? Doopy? Vi said. Mom, please. It's okay, Vi, Rayon said. I'm trying to hold on to memory, Ma. Do you know what that is? Rayon stopped listening. She felt herself lifting above the room, where she was floating and looking down at the conversation shift into an argument. She watched from the ceiling fan as so much inaudible anger took wind. As her mother threw blows about everything she couldn't stand about her, the apartment and soup and job and ex-girlfriend and newfangled baldness. And for the first time, Rayan's response. Her mother's judgmental nature, close-mindedness, bigotry, ignorance, and hella insulted soup. Rayan was beginning to rage, and she watched herself morph into a person that was capable of it. The apartment looked different from that angle. She figured it would, but not that much. It seemed smaller, tighter, stuffy, and cramped, which was odd because the thing Rayan loved so much about it was the light it let in, and all the space she had. Rayan floated down into her body, red eyes and sore throat. We don't even know what happened to him, Rayan said. If he suffered or not, how can you not care? Wasn't there any love there? Her mother stood and gave her an under-eyed glance. She headed for the door and said, There still is and always will be. Rand's heart stopped or skipped a beat. One of the two. Their eyes met and locked on each other like they were seeing the other for the first time. Grief was funny that way, Rand understood like swimming against the current in the hopes of finding. Finding? Their mother left in a near huff, and as Vi followed, she looked back, grinning a soft grin only her sister could see. I like this, Rayon. Vi winked and walked down behind her mother. As the words fell off her sister's lips, Rayon realized that she liked her too. She went to the bathroom and looked at herself again. Hairless and perm-free, she ran her hand across her scalp, feeling the pricks of her hair embed themselves into her skin. She felt connected, without a type of band or rope pulling her further away from herself. Ran looked at herself and smiled, the kind of smile that made the room and anyone in it light up. She left the bathroom and was compelled to head for the street. Ran went outside and prepared to start walking, but when she took her first step... Her foot floated off the ground like it did in her apartment. She lifted up and looked down at the city she felt more a part of than before. 
When she took her job as a community organizer years earlier, she wasn't exactly sure why she did it. It just felt right. But looking down at the city this way, it became so clear. The Bronx was settled north of the place she used to know, sitting on top of the borough so many people focused on. That didn't make it any less a part of the city, though. A place Rayon feared would soon be changed, altered to suit some other need. There was nothing wrong with the way it was. Rayon circled the borough for hours before landing on the roof of her triplex, unsure of how to get down. So instead, she sat on the ledge, mildly smelling the red pea soup from her apartment, and knowing, not out of logic or reason, just knowing that he didn't suffer, her father, not then anyway, not in death, not in a home where he so often tasted the splendor of salted red peas. Sometimes Rayan would walk back to the block Camardi Street used to be on and just sit for hours at a time. She'd sit and dwell in the place she was sure she'd never see again. When the block was quiet and the rest of the street signs would light up in the same neon green, there were times she'd see one of those small purple flowers. Never on a patch of grass, though, usually next to a sewage drain or beneath loose road rubble on the side of the street. She grabbed one once. It was rooted in the cement like it belonged to the burrow unmoved or unfazed by the attempt to pull it from where it was. Rayan never actually tried to pry one out, the little purple flowers. Instead, she basked in their supreme beauty on the off chance she saw one, somewhere near where Cromarty Street used to be. Thank you for listening to A Story Most Queer. Today's story was written by Morgan Christie and read by Vijou Bryant. This episode was edited by Leah Cornish. Our outro music is Round Daytime by Paratune. If you like the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. It really helps others find us. You can follow us on social. We are A Story Most Queer on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you would like to submit a story, head over to astorymostqueer.mischiefmedia.com to read over our FAQs and fill out the form. You can also check out mischiefmedia.com for the other shows on our network. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week for another Story Most Queer.